Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. When you try so many new things on strange new worlds, well, then you're bound to miss sometimes. So it's no surprise that when Star Trek episodes do miss, they can swing so hard they pull the bone right out of the joint. Strap in, dear friends, because we're about to boldly go where absolutely nobody's imagination should ever have gone before. I am Marcus Bronzy, this is Trek Culture, and here are 10 Trek episodes that just did not work. Number 10. The Alternative Factor This is one of the episodes where everything seemed to go wrong from the beginning. The idea of two parallel men battling for all eternity should have received a better sense of grandiose than it did. One reason for this was because Robert Brown, who plays both men, had a very difficult time on set. He was a literal last-minute replacement for John Barrymore, who simply didn't turn up for work on the morning of the shoot. The episode began shooting regardless, focusing on the scenes that didn't involve his character. The next day, Brown was cast and then flung into the set to begin his scenes. The effects were poor for the time, though of course they have received a boost in the remastered edition. Whilst there's a lot of sympathy towards Brown here, the episode is still a slog to get through. It's incoherent, rambling, and it rivals Spock's brain for the worst episode of the original series. No points if you figured out that is going to be somewhere on this list. Number 9. Extinction Enterprise This third season episode saw the name of the show change to Star Trek Enterprise, where all episodes prior to this had just been called Enterprise. Directed by LeVar Burton, who later admitted that he had told the producers he was ashamed to have worked on it, the story revolves around Archer, Reed, and Hoshi devolving into aliens who were primitive and violent. This is similar to Identity Crisis, an episode of The Next Generation that saw Geordi go through a similar transformation. This episode really does not bring it home, though. It's a deeply uncomfortable example of actors simply going through the motions. Scott Bakula, Linda Park and Dominic Keaton are all much better than this script gave them credit for. Even the now timely threats of quarantine and fears of virus spreading among a wider population do nothing to help the fact that this episode is a stinker. Number 8. The Naked Now. The Next Generation. The Naked Now is a remake of the original series episode, The Naked Time, but this is not the main issue with the story. My issue is is that it was too early in The Next Generation. We only had a couple of episodes to get to know Picard, Crusher and Data before we were watching them act like absolute fools. Crusher and Picard probably have the better scenes of the episode, though it will almost certainly be remembered for Data and Yar's encounter. Crusher is the only one who is in control, whilst Picard struggles to keep his poise, offering one of the strangest laughs that Patrick Stewart has ever delivered. Number 7. Prophet and Lace, Deep Space Nine 
The issue with this episode is not that Quark dresses in drag. The issue is that Quark seemingly undergoes an entire gender reconstruction and it's played entirely for laughs. The episode falls absolutely flat from the beginning, resulting in the effective death of Ferengi-themed episodes for the rest of Deep Space Nine's run. Gender reassignment surgery seems to be as available to the people in the 24th century as painkillers are today. Even though this was presented as a positive thing, the idea of having Quark become a woman just to close a sale was beyond misjudged. But it doesn't stop there. As Lumba, Armin Shimmerman was instructed to cry a lot. Yep, that's right. You're going to play a woman, so cry a lot. So obviously, he refused, going further to say that he hated the episode's script as Quark didn't learn anything from his time as a woman. Alexander Siddiq, who directed the episode as well as appearing as Dr. Bashir, wanted to take out some of the comedic undertones. According to Cecilie Adams, aka Moogie, this was blocked by the producers. Ira Stephen Bear later commented that the mistake with the show was its comedy and that in hindsight they should have followed Siddig's advice. Number 6. Let He Who Is Without Sin, Deep Space Nine this episode could and should have been a farce comedy, instead of attempting to teach Worf the benefits of relaxing. In his ability to enjoy the delights of Risa, Worf joins a terrorist organization and engages in damage to an entire world's weather control system. Worf, being a Starfleet officer, simply would not do this. The other characters in the episode act as they should whilst on a pleasure planet. Bashir and Lita enjoy the most amicable breakup of all Star Trek, whilst Quark grabs his Horgons and runs like an excited child through the gardens and beaches. Dax meets old friends and tries to get her new friend to get into the spirit of things. Episodes featuring Risa work best when taken with a pinch of salt. Captain's Holiday is an example of comedy done right, with two days and two nights becoming a little bit more serious, yet still balancing the tone. Here, the incredibly odd depiction of Starfleet's only Klingon as so unwielding and unable to relax just ruins the tale. Bear, Ronald D. Moore and Robert Hewitt Wolf all felt that the episode sank because of the network restrictions that they faced. Number 5. Fury Voyager Fury came in Star Trek Voyager's sixth season, offering Jennifer Lean a chance to return to the show to give Kez some closure. She returned then as an elderly El Campion, fitting the shortened lifespan of their race. Whilst there are very impressive visuals in the episode, not least that shot of the Vidian ship tearing away a trunk of Voyager's hull, the idea behind the script simply didn't work. Kez was last seen in Season 4's The Gift. Her powers had developed to a point where they were threatening the structural integrity of Voyager, with no way to control them. She left Voyager to evolve to a high higher plane of existence, but here, Kez returns full of anger toward the crew who abandoned her. Whilst the return of Lean was welcome, having her come back in this manner only served to retroactively harm her original exit as well. The gift, whilst it wasn't a perfect episode, left Kez in a position where she was happy with what was happening to her. Here, it suggests she spent the intervening years frightened and in pain, with this aspect of her life remaining despite a time loop. This is another example of the producers treating the characters poorly. Number 4. Move Along Home, Deep Space Nine this episode suffered from big ideas and poor execution. Frederick Rappaport, who wrote the episode, was very dissatisfied by the ending. He wanted the audience to believe that the crew really had been in jeopardy, but the reveal that they were never in any danger robbed the plot of its urgency. The episode also suffered from a budget issue. This was the biggest budgeted show that Deep Space Nine had attempted since The Emissary, and Michael Piller took responsibility for the monetary issues that they ran into. He felt that his work on The Next Generation would have prepared him for DS9's first 
first season. Yet here they were with plans for a huge exterior game set that became a series of corridors. Another issue with the episode was the game itself, Chula, got its name from Chutes and Ladders, with it being like a three-dimensional version. Not many people understood that to be the case. Rappaport also wanted to raise the stakes by having everyone but Bashir arrive back at the end of the episode, with Quark having to part with his winnings to get him back. Number 3. Spock's Brain this is perhaps one of the most infamously bad episodes of Star Trek. William Shatner, recording his 2008 autobiography, said that it was a response to the show's slashed budget when it returned for the third season. Director Mark Daniels was also extremely frustrated with the lack of budget on this episode, declining to return to the series again, though he did write the animated series episode One of Our Planets is Missing. The plot in this episode is thin. Spock's brain is stolen, but he doesn't die. McCoy gets a knowledge dump in his mind and reconnects the brain while Spock talks him through it. It should have been played for comedy this episode, as the situation is utterly ridiculous. It wasn't the only time that Star Trek had dealt with the theft of organs, as Neelix would have his lungs stolen in the fade, and that was shocking. But stealing a Vulcan's brain was pushing it a little bit far, even by the standards of the 60s. As it was the opening episode of the third season of the original series, it was also something of a be careful what you wish for message to the fans who had saved Star Trek with a letter writing campaign. Number 2. Code of Honor, The Next Generation in this episode, Yar is kidnapped by Lutan, leader of the Ligonian people. The Ligonians are a tribal civilization which happens to have developed a vaccine that Starfleet badly needs access to. Thanks to that good old Prime Directive though, Captain Picard cannot simply beam Yar and the vaccine away and she is forced to engage in a fight to the death with Yurina, Lutan's wife. The choice to depict the entire Ligonian race as black, then to effectively make Lutan a warlord who runs unchecked in his power, was a deviation from the original script. Catherine Powers and Michael Barron had written the race as reptilian species who followed a samurai way of life. This was not what happened in the episode. Instead, they were all black. Brent Spiner, Michael Dorn and LeVar Burton all later stated how embarrassed they had been by the episode. Number 1. These are the Voyages. Enterprise. Riker and Troy on screen? Good. Jeffrey Combs in his usual great self as Shran? Great. The gag of having Riker be the chef? Amazing. And the episode teasing us with the formation of the Federation? A huge historical moment which has never been depicted in Star Trek. That's unfortunately where the positives end. Jumping forward in time, both the 10 years aboard the Enterprise and to the Next Generation era hurts any pathos that had been built up in Enterprise's fourth season. The senseless death of Tucker was added for pure shock value and it feels cheap. Whilst the the show had been cancelled, the character's death feels like a hastily added moment just to convince fans that there's no way they're coming back. The whole episode is a rushed piece, unwilling to give the series a proper send-off, slotting it unceremoniously into the context of an older, far superior story, The Pegasus. If there was ever a show that deserved a tribute episode or a standalone special to finish out the story, it's Enterprise. These Are The Voyages feels like a home movie featuring the regulars as guest stars and is not befitting, not befitting an ending to a truly great show. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale, starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu.